So greetings, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Good. All right. Comfortable? Is everyone comfortable? All right. Well, I'm going to make you a little bit more uncomfortable then. Today, today we're going to have the DTR talk. You know what that is? The DTR talk is something that um, a, a many young men in a relationship, um, uh, it's something that strikes fear into their hearts. It's something that uh, turn many of them or cause many of them to, um, to run away in fear. Uh, many of them will postpone the DTR talk as long as possible. In fact, some of them might even terminate the relationship if they think, if they just suspect the DTR talk is coming. DTR stands for define the relationship. Okay? This is the official talk that takes place at some point in a romantic relationship that determines the level of commitment. Okay? Where do things stand? Is it casual? Or is it committed? All right? um, where are things going along? It, it is a good thing. It, at some point, it becomes a very necessary thing, a very good thing to determine the level of commitment, to define the relationship and see if it's moved beyond infatuation to deeper devotion and commitment. Where do things stand? Now, if the relationship for you is one of convenience, if it is one that you just want to be a casual weekend thing, then you're going to be very uncomfortable with the DTR talk. And you might even run away. All right? A lot of people don't want to face that. Now, today, we are going to have a DTR talk. I want you to define the relationship between you and Jesus. What exactly is the level of commitment? And now that might make some of you a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, that, that might cause some of you a little bit of anxiety because you kind of like the current arrangement that exists between you and Jesus. You, you know, he seems to be a good guy and you like having something to do on weekends. You, you want to be in a relationship with him and, and have all of the benefits without any of the commitment. Or you want to be able to connect with him from time to time, but you don't want him messing with your life. Jesus decided in our text for today, Jesus decided that it was time to have the DTR talk with his disciples. Okay? Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. All right, so, so what does the world think about me? What do, who do the people out there, the crowds out there, who do they say that I am? And uh, the disciples gave the same answer. If you, if, you, if you had your Bibles open, you look back in Luke 9, King Herod asked the same question. 
Who do people say Jesus is? Who is everyone saying that this guy is? And the disciples give the exact same answer that was given to King Herod. Well, could be John, th- these were the rumors that were out there. So it's, it's uniform. So what the disciples were saying was the same as, as had been uh, shared with King Herod earlier. So they were, they were on the money with this. This is what people thought about Jesus. Um, these were the rumors. John the Baptist come back from the dead. Um, others say Elijah. Now remember, Elijah never died. You remember that? So, so maybe Jesus is Elijah still walking around. Okay, like he, he never aged. All right? And he's, he's still there walking around. Or uh, maybe he's one of the prophets who had died, raised back to life. These were the rumors out there. And, 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 th- and this is the answer that the disciples gave Jesus. Now, it's interesting that to notice that the people, the rumors out there, the ideas people had about Jesus, the people show that it is possible to have a very high opinion of Jesus without a proper understanding of who he really is. These weren't, these weren't um, how do you say this? I mean, this wasn't insulting to call Jesus John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. They had a very high opinion of Jesus, but they did not have a proper understanding of who he actually was. It's, it's very easy to do that. The same thing, same thing's true today. Most people out there will admit that Jesus is a good person, a great teacher, uh, an awesome example, a good guy. But the Messiah? The, the Son of God? The, the Savior? The only way to the Father? They're not ready for that kind of relationship yet. My Baha'i neighbors think Jesus is great. But they don't see him as the risen Son of God. They don't see him as the only way to the Father. Okay, so now, here comes the important question, the DTR. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? In the Greek, it reads like this, but you, who do you say I am? This is what really mattered to Jesus. Okay, what, what has been the fruit of my labor over these last years? Where do I stand with you? Who do you say that I am? All right, so Peter, speaking first and really speaking for the whole group, he didn't say, well, you know, Jesus, um, the religious leaders, you know, they haven't really figured it out, so who are we to say, you know, who you are? No. No, he spoke with a conviction that only God could have put on his heart. All right, there, there is no doubt in his mind. Peter answered, the Christ of God. Christ means anointed. The, the anointed of God, the Messiah of God. That's all the same word. So now, yes, the disciples did not grasp the full significance of what that all meant. They didn't understand all of it yet, but they absolutely believed that Jesus was the anointed, the Messiah, the Christ of God, the one who was prophesied about. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Well, why not? Why not? Jesus didn't yet want his disciples going out and proclaiming him as the Messiah because the masses of people and the religious leaders had a very different idea and belief as to what the Messiah was. 
And, and just before this, the feeding of the 5,000 made it very clear that that, I mean, something like that could lead to revolution. If the disciples went out now proclaiming the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah, that could lead to revolution, could lead to bloodshed, could lead to violence. So Jesus said, don't tell anyone this. The people are not ready for that yet. Okay? There's too much political meaning behind that term Messiah. They're thinking King David. They're thinking uh, overthrow Romans. They're thinking... Uh, swords and, and uh, soldiers and weapons. And they're thinking something different with Messiah. Don't go out with that message. People aren't ready for that yet. All right? But now Jesus is, is going to clearly spell out what the true Messiah's mission was. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So Jesus was clarifying what the Messiah is and what the Messiah isn't. He had not come here to establish a political kingdom on this earth. He, he had not come here to give you and me bread. He didn't come here to give us stuff. He came here to die and rise again. But people weren't uh, looking for a Messiah like that. This isn't what people were looking for in their Messiah. This is not what people were ready for as they looked forward to the Messiah. So we're getting to the hard part of the DTR talk now. And now it's very interesting. Jesus now speaks to everyone. Everyone here, everyone there. He's now talking to all. He's not just talking to the 12 disciples. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. So you want to understand what the Messiah has come to do? You want to be in a relationship with me? This is what it means to be in a relationship with me. I'm not looking for the casual part-time thing. Okay, I'm looking for complete commitment. It's the only way it's going to work. What it means, it means that you deny, you refuse to follow your sinful, evil nature that I came here to destroy. It means that you, you stop following evil, you stop following the devil, and you take up your cross and follow me. You take up your cross and follow Jesus. That means you identify with Jesus. You are telling the world, I belong to Jesus. I, it's, a, it's like putting that wedding ring on. You are letting the world know, I belong to someone. All right? Whether you like it or not, I belong to someone. In a way that I don't belong to you. Okay? And I'm letting everyone know that. When you take up the cross to follow Jesus, you are letting everyone know, I belong to someone. Right? You are identifying with Him. So when you carry a cross in public, you are letting everyone know that you belong to Jesus. You, you, I can, we can do this one because um, not many people are going to persecute you because you're married, I don't think. Um, but let's, it's like this too. Uh, you, it's, it's way less important. But you follow a team. okay? And so you take that flag of that team and you put it on your car and you're letting everyone know, I follow this team. Now, Definitely, a lot of people will, yeah, way to go, because they, like you know, they like that, but the people who don't like your team, you know, they might key your car. They're going to have some problem with that. All right? So, you have, so as we carry a cross 
in this world, the, the, the other people who love Jesus will be like, yeah, great, that's awesome. But the majority of the people may have a different kind of reaction to that. The majority of the people in this world um, may ridicule us, may persecute us. Uh, that, that might make them uncomfortable when you wear your Jesus loves you shirt around, where you, when you let people know by your words and your actions that you follow Christ. All right? So bearing a cross means that we publicly acknowledge that we belong to Jesus. Now, here's where cross and wedding ring differ, right? Cross brings suffering. That is for sure. Okay, cross is where Jesus gave his life. A cross is a painful thing. And so bearing a cross to identify with Jesus as a Christian is going to bring suffering. Suffering because you belong to Jesus. So we have that expression, you know, take a, I'm carrying a cross. I'm bearing a cross. Taking my cross up for Jesus. Okay? Bearing a cross does not mean uh, ref, refusing, denying yourself the enjoyment of sinful pleasure. That's not bearing a cross. But being ridiculed because you're a Christian, that is cross-bearing. Okay? Here's another. Bearing a cross is not having bad hair day. Bearing a cross is not having a bad day, being in a bad mood, having something not go your way. Bearing a cross is not losing a job. Bearing a cross is not getting a disease. Bearing a cross is not even having a tornado rip out your home. That's not bearing a cross. But being persecuted because you love Jesus, that is cross-bearing. All right? So you take up your cross and you follow Jesus. That means some people are going to hate you for that. It's going to cause you some trouble. You're going to, like Jesus suffered on the cross, you're going to suffer some. But bearing a cross isn't all suffering. It means you're identifying with Jesus. If I bear the cross, it means that I get everything that Jesus won for me on the cross. It means that everything Jesus won at the cross is mine and yours. Forgiveness is yours. Um, peace with God is yours. Love and joy is yours. Hope for the future is yours. That's what it means to bear a cross. It's, it's the best thing in the world. And yet, yeah, we're going to suffer for it. But it's both things. So if you try saving your life by avoiding the suffering and persecution of the cross, you're going to end up losing your life in the end. If I say, well, I don't want to bear the cross because I want to avoid the suffering that comes along with it, and, and therefore I'm going to save my life, I'm going to lose my life because I'm no longer connected to the cross. So if we try saving our life by not, you know, I don't want to uh, acknowledge to anyone that I follow Jesus, I lose everything that Jesus won for me with the cross. That's what he means with that verse. So this is the DTR. This is the define the relationship uh, talk. Who do you say Jesus is? The Messiah? The Son of God? Your Savior? Great. Great. Then go all in and be committed to Him. He isn't looking um, for something casual. Okay? Here's what it means to live as someone who believes that Jesus is the Christ of God. Jesus isn't looking for a casual part-time thing. It is all or nothing. Are you uncomfortable yet? Who do you say Jesus is? 
as the pastor of this church of people, I'm a bit concerned. The recent trend in attendances we've had in our worship and Bible study haven't shown as a whole the kind of, the kind of honor we want to give, the kind of um, devoted dedication that we are going to make Jesus first as a group of people. That we are going to deny and refuse to follow our, the ways of this world that would have us do everything else and our own sinful nature. We haven't necessarily been showing that. If we say that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? If we say that, if you say that he's the Son of God, should he not be a greater part of your life? If you are committed to your spouse, if you are committed to your children, would you treat them like that? Would you come and go as you choose? Would you take care of them sometime and other times pay them no attention? What does it mean to be committed? Who do you say Jesus is? Do you, do you wear a cross but not bear a cross? You know, you can come here. You can come here. You can help set up. You can enjoy all the hymns. You can listen to the sermon. You can walk back out to your car that has a little fish on it. You can go out to lunch and say prayers before dinner. But that doesn't necessarily make you a follower of Jesus. You can know a lot about Jesus, but not know Jesus. A lot of us don't mind Jesus once a week on Sundays. A lot of us, um, we don't mind making a few minor changes in our, to our life. You know, letting Jesus do a little touch-up work. But are we ready to let Jesus make a complete renovation? Who is Jesus to you? Okay, define the relationship, friends. Who is Jesus to you? Is the relationship for you one of convenience? Or is it one of commitment? MSNBC recently did a, a report on the, on the new uh, vegetarians. And Christy Pug, a 28-year-old woman, uh, summed it up. I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like bacon. So she represents a growing number of people who refer to themselves as flexitarians. Okay? It's, it's on, look it up, it's in Wikipedia for sure. Flexitarians... Um, usually refuse to eat meat, but every once in a while, they'll make an exception. So Christy uh, explains it this way. Um, I really like vegetarian food, but I'm not 100% committed. Flexitarian describes, I think, the way that um, so many people today view commitments. Okay? Flexitarians are committed until it becomes, you know, uncomfortable or inconvenient. You know, so like if the, if the all-you-can-eat buffet goes half price, well, then my commitments can be adjusted, okay? Christians also, I think, sometimes um, view their commitments that way with God and with, with Jesus and, and the Word of God. 
Okay? They, they, they take the flexitarian approach. Well, I really like Jesus, but I, I, I don't know if I really like serving the poor. I, I really like Jesus, but I'm not so big on the idea of going to church every Sunday. I, I, I really like Jesus, but my finances have already been spoken for. I love Jesus, but when I'm, when I'm at this place, I'm not 100% committed to him. I love Jesus, but when I'm out with these friends, well, I'm not 100% committed to him. I, I want to follow Jesus, but, but don't ask me to forgive that person who hurt me. Don't ask me to, re- to release that bitterness and resentment because I'm going to be holding on to that. I, I want to follow Jesus, but, but I can't trust him to help me through this difficulty. I, I want to follow Jesus, but don't ask me to give a, a percentage of my money. I work hard for that. I, I want to follow Jesus, but, but don't talk to me about my sex life. I, I can't help my desires. I, I want to follow Jesus, but, I, but I'm going to pick and choose which teachings of Jesus I will follow. Um, almost, you know, treating Scripture like a buffet line where you, you kind of take what looks good to you and you leave the rest there. Friends, um, do you want to be freed from the giant pig? Or don't you? Which one is it? You can't ask for help and then not want the solution. Get rid of the pig. And if you weren't here for the children's message, you have no idea what I was just talking about there. So we will just go on. A, a, uh, a big Texas man uh, once came up to a pastor and wanted to talk to him. And he had tears in his eyes, this big Texas man did. And he, he began telling this pastor about his, the story about his prodigal daughter. And he realized where they had gone wrong. He said to the pastor, we raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. We raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. And so this girl grew up um, learning to like Jesus and wear a cross, but not to follow Jesus and bear a cross. So many parents, most parents, um, believe it's a good idea. They want to raise their children with a little bit of God. You know, some good biblical morals, they, they want to raise their children with a little bit of God. But maybe that is the most dangerous way that you could be raised. Maybe the most dangerous way that you could be raised is with a little bit of Jesus. Because it's like an inoculation. A little bit makes you immune to the real thing. With Jesus, it's all or nothing. Okay? Um, the crowd, the world out there thinks that Jesus is one of the prophets, one of many. But what about you? Who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus one of many to you, or is Jesus your one and only? Yesterday was dawn and my 16th anniversary. Thank you. So we went out, we had a nice, we had a nice dinner, we, we gave thanks to God for his blessing on our marriage. So now I want, you to, I want you to imagine 
that this coming week, you walk into a restaurant and you see me there having a nice candlelit dinner with another woman who is not my wife. And so you come up to me and you say, who is this woman and what are you doing? And I say, well, I'm on a date. And you say, well, what about your wife? I say, I answer you, well, I love her too. But last week was my anniversary, and I spent some time with her last week. So I can date who I want this week. Now, you would be angry with me, I hope. And I hope you would go and tell my wife. And so when I got home from my little date, would my wife greet me at the door and say, Oh, honey, did you have a nice time on your date tonight? <laughs> no, she wouldn't. She'd give me a beat down. You guys know that? God doesn't want our affection one or two days out of the year. God doesn't want our affection one day out of the week. God doesn't want to be one of many. God doesn't want to be just one of the many pursuits that we occupy our time and our love and our heart with. Our God is a jealous God. Our God wants our whole heart. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he for you a casual acquaintance? Is he someone you date? Or is he someone you are committed to? It is all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Okay? That is the way it is with Jesus. He is not, this is not a part-time thing. It's not a halfway thing. Jesus says all or nothing. And do you know why? You know why? Because that's the way it was for him. All or nothing. Jesus gave everything he gave everything for you so that you could be his follower so that you could be his child so that you could have everything he won for you on that cross everything forgiveness peace with god life eternal real life it was all or nothing he had to go all in to make that possible for you and me and so following him is an all-in proposal because when I carry his cross, when I identify with him, when I trust with God's help, because that comes from God, that Jesus is my Savior, I have life, I have everything. And friends, that promise is for anyone. Look at verse 23. It says, anyone. So anyone who has laid awake in your bed at night thinking that you would do anything to undo what you've done, Anyone who has looked into a mirror and felt ashamed at who you have become. Anyone who has made a mess out of your life. Anyone. Anyone means you. Anyone means me. Anyone means everyone because that is what Jesus gave us by giving everything for us. So, who do you say Jesus is? Amen.
And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.